try to have it set up where my wife is with me, because just like you have experienced tonight, it is always a blessing to have somebody to prepare our hearts in worship, to be ready to hear the Word of God. Thank you so much. Um, I don't know any other way to explain it other than blessings in disguise. I hate that Brother David is not fit to preach tonight, but I am humbled and I am honored to be able to proclaim to you God's holy word. Um, We are going to look at John chapter 3 tonight. As I was studying this afternoon and praying to God as to which passage I would preach to you, I kept on thinking upon revival, and this passage came to my heart for two reasons. One, it is always present in the preaching of the Word of God that there is a soul who has not tasted of God's grace, but then there are saints who have tasted of God's grace. And the passage we're going to look at tonight, Jesus teaching Nicodemus about regeneration, being born again, can apply to the loss and to the save. Apply to the loss to understand that salvation is only of God, but apply to us who are saved that it would remind us as it was once penned, may I never lose the wonder of the cross. May I see it like I did the first time as a sinner loss. All done by mercy and left speechless, watching wide-eyed at the cost. May I never lose the wonder, the wonder of the cross. Let us begin in verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, He cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, 
We speak of of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen. But you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. I have three points tonight that I want us to focus on in this passage. First, the characters of salvation. Secondly, the condition of salvation. And third, the conversion of salvation. Now why would I point out in the first point the characters of salvation? Because I want you to see and focus in on who the two characters in our passage are tonight. We have Nicodemus and we have Jesus Christ. And if you notice, the Apostle John made it clear and wanted to point out that Nicodemus is a Pharisee. What do we know about the Pharisees? They they teach a works-based salvation. So basically what Nicodemus tells all the other Jews is, you have to meet these standards. You have to live up to this criteria so that on the day of judgment when you stand before God, you will be able to point to your works and say, God, I should be accepted into heaven because of how good I was. But Jesus, Jesus is fixing to denounce that. He's fixing to deny it. And John wants to get that across plain and clear in this passage tonight. So who is Christ? The Son of God. The Son of Man. The Messiah. The one who didn't only come to fulfill the law and not only just to die in your stead and to die for you, but when He was on that cross, if you were saved tonight, He died as you. He took His righteousness and accounted it to you. Now, I will go ahead and give the disclaimer. I didn't graduate high school. I made it to 12th grade. I didn't go to seminary. I don't have a doctorate's degree. I'm not a scholar. But God did grant me common sense. And if there's one thing that we have to admit on this passage, I don't know what side of the doctrines that you stand in. It is not my goal tonight to make you an Arminian or a Calvinist. But I want you to focus upon, and if you are a Baptist, you should already be over the fight of the inerrancy of Scripture. And you should know that God Himself had these words placed in these verses for a reason. And what does John point out? That Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. If Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, why would he do that? And why would John point that out? In fact, how does John know? 
Because the reason Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, what we can conclude is he didn't want anybody else knowing that he was going and talking to the one who was proclaiming to be God. Why? Maybe because he was in fear that his ministry would be ruined. Maybe his followers would look at him and see that he is doubting what he teaches. They might think he doesn't even believe in what he's teaching us. But even more important, how would John know this? Maybe because the Holy Spirit revealed it to John to point out this very thing. And that is that salvation is of the Lord. Because as we go on into the second point, the condition of salvation, I want you to see four things in these early verses. First, I want to give you the definition, the detail, then the discernment, and the difference. First, I want to give you the definition to condition to help you remember. Condition in the Webster's Dictionary is found as the factors or prevailing situation influencing the performance or the outcome of a process. Which means that there is an order. There is an effect. And that's how God works in salvation. There is an order. The gospel is preached and it's landed upon the the ears of the hearer. The, The gospel pricks the heart, breaks the heart of stone. The Holy Spirit convicts the heart of stone. Opens the heart to see their sin before a holy God. As I tell the youth all the time, in order for you to be converted, God has to confront you of your sin. That's how He works. That is His means. And that's what Jesus is fixing to point out here in the detail when He says to Jesus, or when He says to Nicodemus in verse 3, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Why does Nicodemus not understand this? If we go on to read in verse 4, Nicodemus is puzzled. He says, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? He's caught off guard. He doesn't know how to respond. In fact, he's in shock. Jesus, you're not making any sense here. What are you talking about? Are you foolish? But the reason for that is, and my third point is because his perception was off. He only had earthly discernment. He didn't have spiritual discernment because he hasn't been converted. His perception in the absence of judgment with a view to obtaining spiritual direction and understanding was not there. So then Jesus goes on into verse 6. And he answers again, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. 
And then he makes it clear in verse 6 to Nicodemus. He says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Even Paul made it clear in Romans. Those who are of the Spirit set their mind and affections on the Spirit. And those who are of the flesh set their minds and their hearts upon the flesh. That's why Nicodemus couldn't get past this. He couldn't comprehend it. And if you are not saved tonight, you will not comprehend it until God has revealed it to you. So then in my last point, the conversion of salvation, there's two things I want to show you. I want to show you regeneration, which is mentioned in this passage. And then I also want to show you the proof that Jesus gives to Nicodemus. I think a brother by the name of Alistair Begg puts it best. He says in regards to regeneration, what is the work of the Spirit of God? It is to accomplish what cannot be accomplished in any other way by any other person. The Bible is so clear on this. If you read Ephesians 2, Paul says, when you were dead in your trespasses and in your sins, you were made alive in Christ. How can dead people come to life? You see, this is the gospel. The gospel is not a word of encouragement to those who are sort of well-meaning people who would like to add a little religion. It is not a word of encouragement to those who would like to add a little Jesus in their life. The word of the gospel is a word that comes to the rebel heart. I am a rebel against God. I may be indifferent to Him. I may be antagonistic to Him. But I am actually rebelling against Him. He then comes by the Bible and He says, I am commanding you to do an about turn. To repent of your sins and to believe in Me. And the individual says, there is no way that that is going to happen. It would take a miracle for that to happen. Yes, yes it will. And that is the miracle of regeneration. I've got news for you, beloved, tonight. And I've got news for our charismatic friends. Everybody wants their miracle today. They want God to move in some mighty way. They want God to make Himself so evident that nobody else can deny Him. You want a miracle from God? Go preach the gospel and watch it break the stony heart of man who shakes his fist before the holy God and says, I will not bow down to you and I will not call you Lord. And I know this as well as the next saint who knows this. Because for years I walked the aisle, I prayed the prayer, and I got sick and tired of playing the Christian and the hypocrite. And then when I was ready to tell God to basically kiss off, get out of my life, I'm done with church and you, 
That's when he showed me who was almighty and who was most powerful. I said, God, I'm done. Everybody acts like they know you, but I don't even feel like I know you. And I've done everything that the preacher has requested. And then God laid it upon my heart. Son, you think I need you. I don't need you. You need me. You're in desperate need of me. And praise be to him, I fell to my knees and I said, God, if you don't save me tonight, you might as well kill me because life's not worth living. That's what Nicodemus needed to see. And if you go on to read in the Gospel of John, you later find out that Nicodemus gets the taste of grace. But even more important, let me take you back to the one who is the author and the founder of regeneration. Look with me in verse 8 or verse 7. Jesus says, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. He then illustrates regeneration. Notice how he compares the Holy Spirit to the wind to help Nicodemus understand more clearly of how the Holy Spirit works. He says in verse 8, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. He says, Nicodemus, the only thing you can do to know that the wind is there is to step outside and feel it blowing. But you have no control if it's going to come from the east or the west. Well, guess what? That's the same way with the Holy Spirit of the Trinity of God. You don't control Him. You don't tell Him what He's going to do and when He's going to do it. But instead... He comes and He takes control of your life and He tells you what you're going to do and when you're going to do it. And that's what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus here. You're leading my people astray. You're telling them false. And if you don't even agree with Jesus, try telling that to Jonah who was in the bottom of the well and said salvation is of the Lord. Tell that to Isaiah who said salvation is of the Lord. Tell that to Paul, who was on the road to Damascus en route to killing Christians, and God stopped him and said, not today. You don't have control of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gets control of you. So then... We go on into verse 9. And Nicodemus says to him, How can these things be? You know, it's almost as if Jesus literally just come up and punched him right in the gut. He's taken Nicodemus by surprise. I think that it's almost safe to say that in this account, in Nicodemus' response, he has, he has become speechless. His breath has been taken away. And I think he has been shocked into reality of, oh my, 
What have I been telling other people? And so then, in the third point, as we see in verses 9 through 11, or verse 10, Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. Jesus says, How are you a teacher and you not know these things? You have taken on the responsibility of caring for lost souls and you don't even know the truth that I'm proclaiming to you. Not only have you been deceived, but you've been deceiving my Father's people. And then you notice he says to him, we only bear witness of that of what we know. You know what Nicodemus had to conclude off of that? I don't know much. Or to put it in country terms, I don't know my rear end from a hole in the ground. Oh, beloved, on the day of judgment, I don't fear for the average lost soul who has not come to know Christ but I fear for those who have led others astray, who have taught that salvation is by works rather than by grace and the work of the Holy Spirit. And for you younger folks to put it more plain and clear, as one of the artists I respect today has put it in his song, Grace Amazing, he says, In the first verse, you found my heart in a tomb, wrapped up all lifeless and bruised. I was the living dead. I couldn't even lift my head to see you enter the room. That's how it is with us all. We weren't just damaged, we fell dead at the fall. Only the innocent can breathe the air again. Underground, over my head, I'm almost sure I'm dead unless you... Breathe life into me. I won't ever feel my dead heart beating, but you've opened my blind eyes to see, and that's what makes your grace amazing. And then he goes on into verse 2 and he says, No one can come to the Son unless the Father compels him to come. Our hearts are bottomless. If we're autonomous, then why do we choose corruption? Underground, over my head, I'm almost sure I'm dead unless you breathe your life into me. Then he goes on to say, Who's a cripple in case in his heart of stone? Christ is the name that I'm calling on. He's the hope for the hopeless, y'all. We were saved when he chose and called. Where is life if it's not in a king? You're the God. Lift him up to all these things, to his one His only Son. And then His partner gives testimony of regeneration in His life. He says, look, you might have heard that I was dead in the grave with some shackles on my wrist. I was very enslaved to the lust and the passions in various ways. I was dead and depraved. Sight wasn't just blurry and vague. I was blinded as a bat and couldn't thoroughly gaze at the glory of Christ or the story of life. The Father said, come to Him. 
but I hurried away. I was stuck, couldn't choose to be found. You tell me when's the last time you saw a dead man walking around. Couldn't buy my freedom, I was truthfully bound. Couldn't get myself saved, I kept shooting them down. Only by God's will does grace heal with great might, because only the words of God can create life. Give joy, remove shackles, and replace sight. I was raised by His grace, and I praise Christ. If there is a soul here tonight who has not been saved, oh, I beg and plead with you. Either do it where you're sitting at tonight, or go home. And as his name has slipped my mind, but as the man in Genesis wrestled with God all night, I beg and plead with you go home and wrestle with the Holy God until you know that you are His and you are loved. Oh, beloved, Jesus came and lived the life that you could not live. And He died on the cross bearing your sins that you might be reconciled to your Creator, your Father, the Alpha and Omega, the Sustainer, the beginning and the end. Come to Him. Hear Him while He is calling today. Do not tarry while the opportunity is present. And if you question if He loves you, His love has already been evident in that you have lived to see another today. Call upon the name of Jesus Christ. And may you experience the miracle of regeneration. Let us pray. Oh great and mighty Father, we thank You so much that You did not leave us to our own. Helpless, and dead, but that you are the author of salvation. You have dotted every I, you have crossed every T. And Father, there is not one soul who will have an excuse on judgment day to say that they were not granted mercy. Father, if there is a soul in here tonight who has not tasted of your grace, Oh, would you be pleased to grant Jesus Christ the rewards He has earned on the cross. Amen. Thank you.